Good morning. Hey, we're going to continue in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. We've been uh, going through it and um, kind of breaking it down. And one of the things, though, that I think is interesting is that as we approach this whole Sermon on the Mount, we need to remember that, oh yeah, and if there's Bibles going out, I see that, and I was supposed to say that. Darn, I remember the first service. Okay. Uh, as, we, as we look at the Sermon on the Mount, we, we're looking at Matthew chapter 5, um, chapter 6, and chapter 7. We're looking at the longest uh, com- compilation of Jesus' dissertation that's in um, the Scriptures. And that I believe fully that the writer of this Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and then also the Holy Spirit who inspired him to write in such, the ma- in, in such a way um, does this because he wants us to take the entire sermon in its context and understand that this is a, a, a complete unit, and yet we break it down to, pass, to move through it. And um, that being said, though, I think that they do, the aspects of it build upon one another. Um, and so as we look at it, I think it's important for us to remember that. So if you have your Bibles, and if you just got one, will you turn to Matthew chapter 5? And we'll start in verse 1. This morning we're going to be focusing on verses 13 through 16, the passage of where it talks about being salt and light. But to get there, let's start at the beginning of the sermon. The scriptures tell us this, that when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain to, he went on the mountainside and sat down. And uh, his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And this is what he said. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those that, that mourn because they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And at this point, I really think, pause, at this point, I really think that Jesus turns from addressing the crowd and begins to speak to his disciples. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people persecute you and insult you and say all kind of evil against you because of my, because of me, for my namesake. For great, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Now the passage that we are today, and notice it follows right after the persecution passage. He says, you, speaking to the disciples, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's absolutely good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under the feet of men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hilltop cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel. No, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Jesus comes to this point of salt and light immediately following the aspect of persecution. He's kind of got his his sermon going. He's been talking to the crowds. And then he says, you, you 
Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you, for great is your reward in heaven in the same way that persecuted the prophets who were before you. Then he says, you are the salt and you are the light, speaking to the disciples. So what the scriptures do here is this, is that basically Jesus begins speaking about believers. He, he begins speaking about believers in general, where he talks about blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are those that mourn. He goes through all that. People are listening. He's talking about what it is to have a relationship with him, what it is to have a kingdom mindset, what it is to have a heart that is tuned toward God. And then he begins to, to, to zone in on the disciples. Um, he's talking to the crowd, and he turns to them. He talks about persecution, and then he says this. He says, I want you to understand, and I think this is where he makes a transition. He says, this is the way that the world reacts to non-believers. You're going to be, or to believers, I'm sorry. This is the way that the world reacts to believers in God. You're going to be persecuted. But this is the way that those of you that are followers of me react to the world. You are to be salt and light. He said, you have been blessed, blessed are they, that you might be a blessing to the world. And how is it that we are to bless the world? We are to bless the world by being an influence through the means of being salt and light into this world. Salt and light. Now, I want us to turn our attention right away to the fact that there's a presupposition that's underlying what Jesus is saying. And it's just a given. And it's a given, and the people in the crowd know it, the disciples know it from what Jesus says, um, but I think, I think sometimes we miss it. And here's the presupposition, that the, world need, that the world needs influence. The world needs influence. The world needs salt and light. Because the presupposition is that the world is dark and the world is rotting. The world is dark and the world is rotting. Now, we are people, we live here, you know, and, and the scriptures tell us this, is that we're to be people who are in the world but not of the world. We're to be people who, who are here to work and to serve but not to be people who love the world. And so we are kind of find ourselves in this world where people, we're living in it, and, and I think it happens to us, we get familiar with the things that are going on, and, and we don't really necessarily see the world as rotting and as in darkness. And therefore, when we don't see the world as being really rotting away and in darkness, the whole concept of us being salt and light doesn't really take on the emphasis that it should as we hear these words of Jesus. The presupposition is that the world is messed up. And let me tell you, the world is messed up. And yet, because we live in it, we find ourselves oftentimes learning to love it. And we find ourselves in the world, and even though we're not supposed to be of it, we find ourselves of the world. And it kind of creeps in. You know, it kind of creeps into who we are and the way we function, and pretty soon we don't even notice it, and it's not that bad. I, um, I used to work with uh, doctors all over the state, and I was working with this one doctor who had moved from the northeast to a little small town in eastern Idaho. And in this town, 
It was surrounded by a bunch of dairy farms, okay? So every time you drive into this town, which I won't tell you what it is, but because um, someone may be from there and I don't want to offend you, but every time that you drive into this town, it smells like cattle urine and ca- cattle poop, okay? It just, it's just permeates the air because there's so many dairy farms around there. And I got to this, this doctor and I was talking to her and I said, well, you know, I was just trying to build a relationship. And I said, how is your, um, how's it going? Are you adjusting to being in Idaho? She goes, yeah, it's not that bad. We talked about her moving in and, and what her family's doing, you know, just kind of building that relationship. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, how are you dealing with the smell of the dairy farms? And she smiled and she goes, you know, when we got here, it was terrible. My eyes were watering. I just made me, it was making me sick all the time. She goes, but we've been here a couple months now. You know, tell you the truth, I don't even notice it anymore. And I went, you have got to be kidding me, okay? And I'm thinking to myself, my wife is sensitive. If we go by, like, if we're driving on the road and a dog pooped on the side of the road and we drove by at 60 miles an hour, my wife can smell that, okay? (laughs) And I'm going, you have the most amazing nose in the world, and I'm thinking, my wife would just be freaking out. Should we, you know, I was thinking, if I was a doctor and we moved in town, and she, we're going to live here. She goes, oh, no, we're not. We are not living here. But they settled in, and she got used to the smell, okay? And, and, and I think, honestly, that we do that with the world. I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, we get used to stuff. And the world is a dark, rotten place. I shared this in the first service. It wasn't my notes. I'm going to share it again. I'm going to tweak it a little bit because someone spoke to me after the service. But here's the deal. I have to confess to you that um, I watched this show called Sons of Anarchy. Okay? People go, oh, yeah, Sons of Anarchy. And, you know, it's addictive as heck. But when I watch it, I feel dirty. I mean, I feel like sometimes I got to take a bath afterwards. And yet I keep watching it. I keep, and I I watch it, and I look at it, and I go, that's really sad because it's not, I mean, I know it's a drama, right? It's not real life. But the fact is, is that people really think like those people think. And people really do the things that those people are doing in that show. And it is messed up. It's scary. It's scary. And yet I sit there, and I watch it. And they hook you on it. So you want to watch it again. Um, I, and I watch it on Netflix, okay, because that's the way to watch stuff nowadays. And, and, and yet, they, actually, the series is going on, and my wife recorded it um, on the DVR, whatever you call those things. And, um, and so I said, well, why don't you watch the show with me? And this is what happens. At the beginning of the show, it comes on, and a voice says, previously on Sons of Anarchy. And then they show you about a four-minute segment of all these little clips that kind of leads you up to what went on. My wife turned to me and goes, I am not watching that. She goes, I can't believe you. Four minutes. Now, granted, that was one brutal four minutes that they showed us on TV. (laughs) And I'm not sure exactly how on network TV they can get away with saying some of the stuff that they do. And I said, well, bummer. And I said, okay, when we turn it off, and she put on Dancing with the Stars or something like that, and I went upstairs and watched Sons of Anarchy. (laughs) Now, someone said to me after the service, so you're still going to watch Sons of Anarchy? And I said, wow. He said, you said it wasn't going to stop you. And I went, 
wow, why don't you just nail me down, buddy? But he spoke truth into my life. Because the very thing that I'm telling you is true about me. That we get in the world and, and we don't notice the stink anymore. In fact, we record it and watch it. At least I do. And so now I stand before you convicted from the last service because someone challenged me on the fact that I need to clean up my act if I am going to be, listen, salt and light in a world that is rotting and needs light. And I'm struggling with this, I've got to be honest with you. But he's right. And you know he's right too. And you're going, yeah, Mike, that's a good idea. You should probably stop watching Sons of Anarchy. And those of you that have it recorded on TV, I challenge you on that. Because here's the deal. We are to be a blessing in this messed up world. We are to be salt and light. And the world is messed up and the world is rotten. And, and, and we get into it so much. We get into it so much and it's all around us that we can actually walk around with cow dung on us and go, yeah, I don't even notice the smell anymore. And I'm one of those people. And just like you, I need the work of God's Spirit in my life to continually mold me and shape me and drive me on to being salt and light in this world. Here's the deal. You know, this is Jesus' kind of idea. He says, you are the salt and you are the light. You are the salt and you are the light. That's who we are. There's no other plan, by the way. And we're going to come to that a little bit later. But this is the deal. You're it. I'm it. In a rotten, stinking, dark world, we are the light and the salt. So the presupposition is this, is that the world is pretty messed up. And Jesus has called us to be in this world, but not of it. He sent us into this world, but he tells us that we're not to love it. Here's his plan. We've already talked about it. The presupposition is the world's messed up. The plan is that we would be salt and light. That we're it. Once again, we are it. There is no other plan. I, um, I had somebody tell me one time, you know, God doesn't really need you. You know, he can always find somebody else to do this. Well, that's probably true. But the way that God has orchestrated the way he's going to work in this world is that he needs me. And he needs you. We are it. There is no other plan. God has no other plan. You are salt. You are light. There is no other plan. You and I are it. If we don't come through, it's not going to happen. So does God need me? No and yes. God does not need me, but he's chosen to make me the means by which he's going to work in this world. And he's chosen to make you the means by which he's going to work in this world. We're salt and light. The idea of salt, and I was sharing this with the first service. You know, I read a lot of commentators about salt and, um, and light, you know, just trying to figure it out. And I, I really think that we need to remember that, um, that Jesus is speaking to a crowd. You know, you read commentators, and I always try to find something really cool to say about um, the passage or to say about and to illustrate something. For instance, like this one guy said, well, when Jesus was told the crowd that, that he wanted them to be salt, they went, oh, yeah, Jesus wants us to be pure because salt is white, 
white is pure. We're supposed to be pure people, right? We're supposed to be, and, and I'm going, no, no, no. They, they didn't think that, okay? It, they didn't. This is, you know, they, uh, this is what they thought. They used salt every day. You know what they used salt to do? They used salt to purify or to actually to keep from rotting the meat that they ate. They rubbed it in. So, like, if you went out and killed the lamb, unless you had a really big family and you ate it all that day, you couldn't keep the meat or it would rot overnight. So what they would do is they would, just crown, they would just rub salt into it to keep it from rotting. When the people heard Jesus and the disciples heard Jesus say that you are the salt of the world, they knew that he was saying, you are that which keeps this messed up world from rotting to ultimate decay. You are the ones that are, in one sense, those people that purify and preserve this world. Not only was salt used for, listen, not only was salt used for um, purification or, or actually keeping that meat fresh, I lost the word totally, um, but it was used also as an antiseptic. This, we know that when babies were born, they were washed off with salt and water. We know that people that had skin diseases and things were, were soaked in salt water. The salt is there to, as an antiseptic, and it stings. It stings, but it brings healing and health. And Jesus says, you are the salt of the world. You are the salt of the world. You are to bring purification into the world. You're it. You're pure. You're to be antiseptic. And you know, what you do and what you say may indeed sting, but it is needed in this world. The idea of light, the idea of light, when, when the people heard this, they, they knew what Jesus was talking about. They didn't have to figure some fluffy story about what Jesus might be talking about. They knew. He says, look, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Um, uh, Bren told me that he's actually been to the spot where the, Jesus um, preached the Sermon on the Mount. And he said it's pretty interesting because Jesus, when he was there talking, you know, Jesus used the, the landscape and, the, you know, someone would walk by and Jesus may illustrate something as he saw it, kind of like he was shooting from the hip because in a lot of ways he was. He was speaking the word of God. He was speaking the truth, and he was just letting people know. And, and Brent says there's a city that you could actually see from there. And Jesus may have gone, eh, no one builds a city, you know. Uh, they put a city on a hill so they can see it. He says, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. That's what he's saying. And, and the truth is is that, all the cities back there on a hill. It was the way they built hills. I mean, they built cities. They didn't build hills. But um, it, was the way they built, it was the way they built cities. They put them on hills for all kinds of reasons. But the point is, they're seen. It says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. City sent on a hill cannot be hidden. His point is, is that this world is really, really dark. And we need to be light in this world. Through our, we need to be salt in this world through our actions and through our words. We're it. We're God's plan. Um, I used to travel to North Carolina a lot because I'm from Florida. And when we would go to North Carolina to go to the mountains, okay? They're really not very big mountains in North Carolina. I guess they are. They're mountains for the southeast, right? And um, we go there and... Uh, 
And the reason we would go a lot of times in the wintertime is we'd take students up there for a ski trip. And in February, we'd go oftentimes in February, and the hope would be that we'd be able to catch snow. There was seldom any snow, or at least enough snow to ski. And in North Carolina in the southeast, in the southeast, if there's any snow on the ground, they snow. I mean, they snow ski. Like, even grass is coming up through it. They'll just ski right over it. They'll just do anything because it's, and it's icy. They make it a lot of times, and it's not really good. And there are oftentimes that we would take um, students with there wouldn't be any snow and so we'd have to find something else for them to do. And uh, we found this cave on the side of a hill. And so we thought we'd take these kids into the cave. We thought it was a really cool idea. And so we all got our flashlights, and we climbed down the side of this hill. And it was really, and it's always raining in the wintertime in North Carolina. And uh, so you were slipping down this muddy slope with leaves, and it was the mess. People were just covered in mud. And, but it was fun. We were having a great time. Everybody's laughing. We finally get to the mouth of the cave. We crawl into the cave. We go in this little hole, and we crawl down this little ladder, and we walk in. We go into this little cavern area. It's about half the size of this room right here. And everybody's goofing around. They're flashing their lights all around, talking about bats, you know, and all that kind of thing. And then one of the guys that I was with, his name was Kenny. He goes, hey, everybody turn off your flashlight. No, no, everybody turn off your flashlight. So we all turned off our flashlights. And everybody, all, you know, you got guys and girls there, they're adolescents, and they're all laughing and giggling and, you know, poking each other and making fun and saying stuff. And Kenny goes, hey, be quiet. And they didn't be quiet. They just kept talking. He goes, hey, I mean it, be quiet. He finally, after, on it took a few minutes, everybody got quiet. Now, I'm noticing while he's trying to get everybody quiet that it is really dark in this cave. I mean, it was so dark. I can, I can remember doing this. Maybe you've done this when it's really dark. Maybe I'm the only one. But I would take my hand. I would go. You know, I could feel it. And I knew it was there because it was my hand. But I couldn't see it, you know. And I'm like, man, it's dark in here. And then when Kenny finally got everybody quiet, I realized that not only could I not see my hand, but I could actually hear other people breathing. That's weird. Okay? When it's so dark and so black that your other senses start to kick in, you know, like I'm hearing things. Like, and, then, and then just at the moment when you thought it was almost dark and quiet too long, Kenny somehow had reached into his pocket. shouldn't be that hard for him. But, and he pulled out a Bic lighter, and he flipped that Bic, and that flame went, and it was like, woo. And, I, and you notice at that moment, now you couldn't see everything in the cave, but you could see everybody's face. And it was funny because, and I watched, everybody's looking at the light. It's like we're all drawn to the light. And in a sense in which it brought a sense of comfort. So what's the big deal? Here's the deal. Even a little light shines really, really bright when it's really dark. And Jesus says to us, you are the light of the world. And this is a really, really dark place. And you're supposed to shine. And as you do, you are going to influence this world through your actions and through your words. You know, when Jesus turns to his disciples and says, here's the deal. You're to influence this world. You're to be salt and light in this world. He's telling them straight up that that's the plan I have. You are my plan. And you're the ones that are going to be the way that I work in this world. The scriptures tell us this, that God is light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. 
we're told that the Word of God is a light unto our path. It gives us direction. And we are to be the means by which God works and that people in this world see God the Father, understand the truth about Jesus, and see the Word of God in action through our lives. I want to show you a really cool picture. Karen, can you flash this up there? This was uh, this past summer. It's up on Table Rock here in Boise. I said earlier, I think the guy took it with his camera. No joke. I meant his iPhone. But um, someone goes, of course he took it with his camera, Mike. But anyway, uh, all right. But, it, but that's, it's called, I don't know, it's called the supermoon, all right? It's during, um, th- there's, uh, when, the, when the moon is circling the earth, that's right. When the moon is circling the earth, I want to make sure I was right. Uh, there's called, it's called apogee and perigee. And perigee is when it's closest to the earth. And this was during perigee this, this summer. And it just so happened that the moon was full. And so you get this super moon that goes on. That's amazing, isn't it? Like, isn't that crazy? I said, I wish you had had a better camera. But I, just, I was just totally blown away by that. Look how bright the moon is. You can see all little stuff in the moon, you know, and you can see the silhouettes. And I go, you know what? Guess what? You know the moon has no source of light whatsoever? Isn't that crazy? Look at that thing. You know what it's doing? It's reflecting the sun to the world. That's crazy. You get it, don't you? Jesus said, you are the light of the world. We don't have any light. I take that back, we do. The light we have in us is the Spirit of God who's come and transformed us and made us the people of God. And Jesus said, you are my plan. You're it. You are the light and the salt. You are to reflect the truth of God. You are to reflect the truth of Christ. You are to live out in in an amazing way the truth of the Scriptures so that your life reflects the truth of the gospel, the truth that God loves people, the truth that God has something real in this messed up and sick world. You are it. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. But there's a problem, he says, because if you're the light of the world and you hide yourself under a bushel or a basket, he says, no one can see you. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? You know, here's, here's some really good news. Remember that song? Maybe you don't know the song. I learned it when I was in church when I was a little kid. Um, uh, I'm, uh, this little light of mine, remember that song? This little light of mine. I'm, I'm not going to sing, but anyway, I'm going to let it shine. Well, there's this one part of the song that goes, and hide it under a bushel. What's the word? No. I'm going to let it shine. And then there's another part of it that goes, and no one can it out. No one can it out. And I'm going, no. Nah. Right? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. This is the truth of the gospel. Grab on it. This is good, okay? When the Spirit of God comes to you and me and transforms us and takes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh that we might understand, repent, and believe the gospel, he works an amazing thing and he gives us new life. And there's nobody, not you or I, not angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things that can come that will ever be able to it out. We are God's. What he has done no one can undo. That's awesome news. No one it out. It ain't going out. But we have the ability to put it under a basket. Why would we do that? 
Why would we not be salt and light in this world? I'm going to tell you why. Jesus already told us. Blessed are you when people persecute you and insult you and say all kind of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for great is your reward in heaven. In the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I'm going to tell you why we do this. I'm going to tell you why we're not salt and light. I'm going to tell you why we step back. I'm going to tell you, the first reason is because we, we let the world get into us. The second reason is, is a fear. We're scared. I mean, after all, who wants to offend somebody? I mean, we're supposed to be tolerant of all things here. This is America. And so we put it under a bushel because we don't want to offend we don't say the things that we, should, that we know we should say. We don't do the things that we know we should do because we don't want to offend anybody. And because, honestly, it has nothing to do with offense. It has to do with our fear. We're fearful people. And the reason we're fearful is because we have the wrong perspective. We're looking at here and now. We're looking at here and now. When the Spirit of God moved into your life, and you became a believer of Christ. The scriptures tell us in Ephesians that God placed in us his spirit, which is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance into the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who have trusted in Christ, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You are going to heaven. That's good news there too, by the way. You are in the kingdom of God. And the reason what, when we put our little light under a bushel and we don't live as salt in the world because of fear, it's because we're just focused right here. We're on the here and now. We're busy watching Sons of Anarchy. We're busy doing our own thing. And we have lost perspective in the fact that we are citizens of the kingdom of God. Here's the question. In 2,500 years from now, what are you going to think about the time that you had an opportunity to speak to somebody about Christ, but because of a little fear in your life, you put that light under a bushel, huh? What are you going to think? It's not going to matter. We're so short-sighted and we're so fearful. And yet the Spirit of God lives in us to give us a spirit of courage, not timidity, he says, but a spirit to be, a spirit to be bold, to be bold, to be salt and light because it's God's only plan. It is. The reason that you sit here this morning, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, is because someone else will salt and lighten your life. Do you know that? Someone else will salt and light in your life. And God says, you are the salt of the earth. Salt doesn't really become unsalty. Did you know that? You can't make, I did some research on this. You can't make salt unsalty. Salt is always salty. The only thing you can do with salt is mix it with a bunch of other stuff that that pretty much dilutes the saltiness. The way that we become unsalty in this world is we let the world dilute us. We let all that stuff get in our lives and we get caught up and we start loving the world. The reason that we hide under a bushel our light is because we're fearful. We don't have perspective. And what I say to you is this. You and I, were it. There's no other plan. There's no other plan for people to know God. There's no other plan for people to experience the truth of the gospel. There's no other plan for people 
in this world to see people live in obedience to the scriptures fully and faithfully with love and passion. There's no other plan. We are it. You are the salt of the world. You guys are the light of the world. And what's the purpose? Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and they glorify your Father who is in heaven. 2,500 years from now, we're going to be sitting around somewhere in heaven. And I believe that. And we're going to look back and we're going to be seriously disappointed in so many ways. We let fear and the infestation, infest, I can't even say it, the infection of the world influence our lives so that we weren't salt and light. We need a better perspective. We need to understand the plan. And we need just to be salt and light. I had a friend tell me one time, if I just did everything that I knew, I should be doing right now, I wouldn't have to learn anything else. I would change the world. No, I don't know if he changed the world, okay? But his point was this, if he would just live out in obedience to Christ the things that he knew he should be doing on a daily basis, the way he should interact with other people, the way that he should speak to other people, how he should, how he should love other people. He said, if I would just live that out, I would change the world. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I believe this, that if I and you would live out the things that we know, we wouldn't have to learn anything else, nothing else. If we would just do right now, what we know we ought to do, if we would just speak right now the truth that we know that we ought to speak, we would change the lives of people that we come in contact with every day. We would. And that is God's plan, that we would be salt and light. Salt and light. You're the salt. You're the light. I'm the salt. I'm the light. You get it? Really? It's got to be drilled in. You got to put it in your head. You got to put it in your heart. You got to get an eternal perspective. You got to remember you're part of the plan. And the reason you do it is because the Spirit of God lives in you and pushes you to be what God has called you to be salt and light in this world. So go love other people. Go care for other people. Guys, go open doors for ladies. Ladies, say thank you and smile when guys do that for you. Just be kind to one another. And when the opportunity arises, tell people about your hope in Jesus because it's their only hope as well. And that's the truth. Be salty and be bright because even a little light shines really dark. Or shines really bright when it's dark outside. Got it? Let's pray. God, thanks for your word. Thanks for the truth of Scripture. Thanks for your plan for us. And I thank you for Virginia, the lady in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, who was salt and light to me, and who told me the truth about Jesus, that I might experience him 
that your spirit might change me and make me yours. And God, I pray, and I know these men and women here who are followers of Christ, know the people that were salt and light in their life. And I pray that you would encourage us to be salt and life in the lives of those that you bring us in contact with so that when we sit around in your kingdom and we talk, we'll be able to share great stories and other people will be able to thank us in person for the fact that we were salt and light in their lives. Not because we're all that great, but because it's your plan and you've chosen to use us and give us the privilege to be the means by which you work to bring this world to yourself. And I thank you for that. And I pray that you would make us bold and give us good perspective. And God, fill us up with love for you and for your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.